This is 413 Ethnography. I'm Imrita Acharya. Back in April, I was on a run with my friend Sophie. I love our runs because we make up the route as we go, often passing through different neighborhoods and stopping for people we want to chat with or houses we want to examine more closely. As we were running on Bridge Street, just adjacent to Sheldon Field, I noticed a tall white gas station structure. I told Sophie I wanted to stop. It was totally abandoned with no gas pumps or any sign of recent usage, just a few parked cars under it and a white one-story garage. I was totally mesmerized. I guess I've always just been so fascinated by the zeitgeist and nostalgia of car culture, even though I only learned to drive just a few months ago. But in this moment, I felt so vividly that I was in the work of artists Ed Ruscha or Vija Selmans who document the West and the common proliferation of such roadside architectures. To see it in Northampton, now that was a treat. I had seen this particular structure many times before, driving from Hadley to Northampton, but in a car, I would just never notice it. I would never think much of it other than, this is a gas station, how could you? You're going so fast and such architectures are so common when you're on a busy thoroughfare. And I'm sure many of you have also noticed it as well. But on this day, I decided to stop and look at it more closely. When I went up to the garage, I could see a giant wreath in the window with the words, Happy Holidays, and next to it, a door with a sign reading, Duffy's Front End Service. Three plastic chairs lined the walls of the garage, and above it, the phone number was listed without an area code. We stepped into the garage where two cars were lifted and being worked on. Buckets of tools lined the walls, old parts piled up in corners, and all I could smell was motor oil and sawdust. We peered inside a small room next to it. Photographs and large books lined against the walls of this space. It looked like a museum of local history, with photographs going back generations of family members, and images and maps of Northampton speckled throughout. Inside, there were three men sitting together, perplexed either by the sight of two young girls or by the sight of seeing two people walking in, not driving in. They were holding coffee and laughing together. It was something out of a, a coffee shop scene or something. I felt at home the second I walked in. It was cheerful and it seemed that anyone was welcome to enter. A man with white hair and glasses and a blue mechanic jumpsuit handed me a card. It said, Duffy's Front End Service, H.F. Duffy. Are you H.F.? I asked. Yes, I am, but you can just call me Harry. When I expressed my curiosity in his business, Harry said to me, Are you sure? He insisted I had gotten the businesses mixed up that in reality I wanted to go to his brother's shop, Duffy's Tire, down the road. It was there at Duffy's Tire that they had the historic building from the 19th century. But I told him, no, I wanted to see more of his, Harry's business. 
He was hesitant and confused, but in the end was extremely friendly and said I could come by any time to talk. And so I did. Over the last four months, I've come in every couple weeks to the shop. I'd observe Harry working with the car and he'd explain to me each of the processes. His specialty is entire alignment, the process of adjusting a vehicle's suspension angles so that there is optimal contact between the vehicle and the road. Though he performs other types of jobs like oil changes and brake replacement and adjustment and other mechanical fixes, among other things. But he's a born teacher, and back in the day, he would take in Smith's vocational students to work with him. Each interaction with him, I was charmed by his attention to detail and ability to build a friendship with a lot of different people, especially his customers. Anytime I'd meet a customer, they'd say the same thing to me. He's the only honest man left in Northampton. And based on my time with him, I'd agree. He cares so deeply about his customers and making sure that they not only get the best service, but someone that they can rely on consistently over time. And he's there for them, not just for their mechanical needs, but also to just chat and share a cup of coffee. And even when there's no one around and he's working on his own, he's constantly reminded of all the people in his life. Anytime I come to see Harry, He's adding a new print to his photo wall of a family member he went fishing with or of a historic print he found of his grandfather in the First World War. Through all of our conversations and my observation of his life and the customers who come in and the family members who are always dropping by, I've seen that local business is not just transactional. It's rooted in community and, and the idea that you build a history and a relationship with the people who are around you. And these businesses and the people who run them, they become a part of your everyday life. And they're no longer just a service, but a person that contributes to the identity of, of a place and especially your own identity. So tell me about when you started your business, how long have you been in business for? Uh, I started my business in 1980. Uh, at the time, I was working for my father who owns Duffy Tire Service. And at that time, my younger brother was graduating out of high school and really didn't have any, any job opportunities. So I had an opportunity to take a civil service job as a policeman, which I did. And my brother took over my position at the tire shop. And uh, uh, in doing that, I was only going to stay on a few years to, as a cop and then come back and, and join the family business. And the family business never panned out enough where it could take all three of us. So in 1980, I started my own business mm. at Duffy's Front End Service, just a couple streets away from where the tire shop was. And so, when, how long had your father been in business before He's, that? He started the original tire business that he had, where he had, in 1955 for a, uh, an individual uh, who ran his business under the name of Ludlow Rubber Company. 
And he had one of his satellite businesses came to Northampton, and he hired my father at, at that time to be not only the worker but manager, and he ran it for him. Mm-hmm. And in, in around 1959 or 60, uh, the little rubber companies started getting financial in trouble, so my father and a partner bought the business. And then in 1967, my father bought out the partner. Wow. So it's really been in the family and still here today. And yes. so your brother still owns tire Also a tire shop, yeah. And he's um, got a son that's in with, it, with him now. Mm-hmm. And so how did you choose this site? It just happened to come up. Uh, everything kind of fell into place. Uh, I, was, I was on the police department and, and I was still working for those guys full-time because I was working nights on the police department and this this came up uh, and it was on a bid deal so I talked it over with my father and he says well give it a shot make a bid on it and before I made the bid on it I made sure I could I had financial pl- uh, backing in case I was accepted and it all came together uh, in 1984. And what was what was it like when you first opened up? It was pretty hectic. Uh, actually, what happened, I, it was a big surprise because uh, I wasn't able to get in here and look at the at the inside of the place. It was mm-hmm. all uh, kind of uh, papered over like they do when they close down a business. And they couldn't find find the key to it. And it was at the last part. I, there was only two weeks to go to, to make a bid on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, through trying to get financial backing and, and so on and so forth, uh, I really didn't push it, but when I finally won the bid on it and they gave me the keys to it, the last guy that was in here, he smashed all the lights, stole the air compressor, Gosh. took out the, the lifts on me, uh, there was a big hole in the roof over, over where my alignment bay was. Um, I, I almost started crying, honest to God, because I had saved a lot of money to buy specialty tools for alignment and I had to put an alignment machine in. Mm. thinking everything else was going to be fine. He even smashed the two toilets, men's room and the women's room, uh, ripped the, one of the t- uh, hand-washed sinks off the wall. Oh, yeah. my God. Uh, he ripped electrical lines off the wall. Intentionally? Intentionally. Gosh. Yeah, yeah it's a pretty nasty individual. Oh, God. So I had to peck away at getting it to back up to cold, per se, what they say, and... Mm-hmm. And uh, had enough money for the alignment machine, but I didn't have any more money for specialty tools and stuff like that, you know. So is that why you went into alignment? Well, I went into the alignment part because we always sold tires, and, and, and tires and getting them realigned after you put new tires on there saves the wear and tear on. Mm-hmm. So it was hand and foot, but we never were at a facility big enough where we could incorporate an alignment machine. It takes up a whole bay. Mm-hmm. And the, the garage where the tire shop was just wasn't big enough for me. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was my thought process. Plus, I like doing mechanical work. Yeah. Yeah, I like doing that. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this gas station architecture you have outside. Well, when I bought it, this place has always been a gas station since 1920. Wow. More so gas station and convenience store. That makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Since 1920. And, and 1963, they redid it, did over the whole property here. It, it was an uh, Esso station. Esso turned into Exxon. And uh, 
they, the building was a two-bay garage with a uh, kind of like a office area and storage mm -hmm. area like this is. Wow. Have you ever uncovered any like old photos oh, yeah, or anything? Yeah. I, I got this building here when it was just a a long building with one little gas pump right in the corner of it. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> and and actually on this property here there was a second building that a they used to rent out and it was a meat market. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, it was a meat market. So how has Bridge Street or this section of it changed since you've been here? Uh, it's just gotten busier. I mean, it's pretty much been the same as far as um, living here. There's no been no additional uh, building buildings going up and that. It's it's pretty much been here. Uh, the biggest thing is traffic, as UMass and Amherst College and Mount Oak and Hampshire College has gotten bigger and bigger. Mm. You know, the the hub for the whole area is the center of North Ham. Mm. So for them to get here, they have to come over the bridge, yeah. Route 9 Bridge Street, to get to Main Street. How has it affected business? Uh, business is, is a kind of a local homegrown. Um, so I, I keep getting repeat business from the local yokels, although through Smith College and Amherst and UMass, uh, the, the kids that find a good place to do business for them that aren't ripping them off, they will self-advertise to the juniors, seniors, uh, mm. sophomores, and, and freshmen. So you do get that kind of word, word of mouth advertising, too, okay. yeah, which helps out. I guess whenever I come here, I always see that it's just full of history and memorabilia. Cause you well, memorabilia is me. I love pictures, and I love family, and I, and I love how Northampton developed. I mean, there's a map from 2000 right there. Wow. Uh, and I actually got a map from 1914. Which wow. I got under a plate glass up in my office. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that stuff. So uh, I'm big into it, you know. How much of the original decoration, not even decoration, but the way you've layered photos and articles and maps, how much of that has, like, pretty much been original? From when I took over the garage? Mm -hmm. I mean, there was nothing here. Absolutely. Right. Everything, everything you see is me. I guess, like, have most of these things been up over time and you've never taken them down or tried well, to... Well, with the pictures now, I rotate them. Oh. Okay. And I kind of bring current ones here. You know, I do have my family history from my mother's side, my father's side, and I, if I get newer pictures from, from that area, mm -hmm. I will swap them around. Why keep them here and not at your home? I like to show them to people. Mm -hmm. At home, nobody sees them. It's just me. Mm -hmm. Like... I just I just had a granddaughter <gasps> three months ago. I just put up this brand new display mm. of her wow. in the last three months. Mm. And those are old dogs that we have there. They've all passed on, and that's my mother and father, my older brother that they passed on. And this this line up above you is is is, is the Duffy side genealogy from 1830 to present. And this side on the right there, that's the demon side, which is from 1852 to present. Wow. That's and then amazing. everything in between, this is kind of like my fishing uh, collage, where mm -hmm. a lot of people go out fishing with me, and I'll take pictures of them uh, with a fish. You know, it's a good friend of mine, daughter, and uh, there's another good customer of mine that I became good friends with. He's a nephew, and that's uh, my daughter and my niece. And wow. You know, it's, and these are Christmas postcards that I get from 
the next generation with their families. I think their family pictures, you know. Do most customers ask? Oh, yeah. They, they <laughs> stare, stare at it and ask me all about it. And wow. I'm happy to apply. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. That's amazing. And what about these stacked coffee cup holders? Well, I saved them for Dunkin' Donuts for recycling purposes. Mm. And I just haven't taken the time to bring them back. <laughs> it's my little thing, my little part. And mm-hmm. Not leaving my carbon part. You know? Yeah. We all got enough of those. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And there's there's, there's some uh, teaching uh, tutorials on the walls there that show the front end and suspension mm-hmm. that I can talk to people if they got a problem. I show them right where it is and what it does and that. So. I've always been curious about these books you have in the back. Those are professional trade uh, uh, repair manuals. Believe it or not, each one runs around 200 bucks a piece. Wow. And when I started the business, uh, I, I was pretty adamant about, about getting them. Because technology in the automobile has changed, especially in the last 20 years. Unbelievable. And do you still use them as guidebooks? Yeah, I do because, you know, 40 years ago, do you remember what you did or how it went 40 years ago? So you, you take a quick look at it, it brings everything flowing back through, you know? Wow. Yeah. Now I know you can go online and do it, but a lot of places where you need that kind of technical information, they charge you for it. What would you say your favorite artifact or piece is that you have in your office? <laughs> All my pictures, I love my pictures. Mm-hmm. Love my family, love my heritage. Love the people I, I, I associate with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. That's really... That's really nice. No, I, I mean, I can imagine that must be one of the reasons people come back to see you and come back for business well, they like it's the, so they personal. like the family friendly type you know and, yeah. and I make it a point to talk about their families people like to talk about their families as I do my own <laughs> and I realize that so they'll ask me quick questions here and then I ask them about theirs mm. and and they go on and on like I do with you here you know? yeah <laughs> and and good customers I remember these things I just have a knack for remembering that stuff mm. and I'll ask them oh, and they're kind of shocked well how do you remember that it's just it's just part of my curiosity, you know, or, mm-hmm. or like donut, you know. It'll feel like such a. Well, I'm not saying you're retiring anytime soon, but it'll feel like such a loss. Big loss, it, it is. But you know, in this day and age, those losses get trampled over so fast because there's so many new things coming about. You know, it's in. I'd like to go as long as I can. Mm-hmm. I mean, what where better place to hang out than here, right? What? I know. I agree. You know, I'm, I'm here at 4.30 in the morning. Really? Yeah, I, I get did here not real, realize. Yeah, I get here early and uh, I uh, get the paper. Uh, I'll go for a three-mile walk. And then I get a coffee to read the paper with. And I do a little book work. And, and uh, then usually it's about 7.30 or so. And then I come down here and start to open up the main business. Wow. That's amazing. What's it like in the morning time that early? So peaceful, so tranquil, no hustle and bustle, no nothing. Mm-hmm. You go down down through the center, because I do walk through the center a lot, and uh, it, it's like it's like a desert. It's mm-hmm. just nothing there, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, the, the, uh, 
the, with the, the engine that people that hang around there, they're not even up and moving yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't woken up yet. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing. Aside from your business, I mean, you have to interact with a lot of people. But it seems like you like solitude, you like to fish. I like a little bit of everything. You know, I get so much socialization at the business <laughs> that, you know, you get in your own boat and fish on in the middle of a pond or a lake or whatever it is. You know, you're hearing nothing but the animal, wildlife, you know, birds and deer and see this stuff, you know. And uh, most of the time you don't get any cell service at these places. They're out of the beaten path. So yeah, that kind of track cool. And and at night I like I like going home. I, I'm not married anymore and my daughters are grown up and moved on. So, uh, you know, I like that kind of peace and tranquility. Uh, don't watch a lot of TV. I might catch an hour or so late at night. I don't go to bed until 10, 11, 12 o'clock. So you don't sleep, you sleep like four hours? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't require much sleep. Mm. I kind of made it that way to run the business, to be a cop, and also help my father. Mm. Uh, and it's just just that's the way I am now you know after 40 years one day in late July I came in to see Harry and he said he had a special surprise for me someone had dropped off their car for a tire alignment and even though I had come by many times before to watch other repairs this was the first time I was seeing a real tire alignment Harry's specialty I was very excited He took the car for a test drive to make sure nothing else was wrong with it, then brought it into the shop, elevated it, and started working on it. Most times when you're lying in a vehicle, people will want the steering wheel straight after it's done, you know? Kind of balanced. How often? People usually, like in this climate, have to get their wheels. That, that's aligned. a good uh, antidote. This climate here, because we live in the Northeast, we have the four seasons. You know, you go from the winter time that you got snow and ice and slush, people slip sliding around, they're hitting curbings and that. Then we go so, into springtime, then you have what they call the melting of the snow and the ice, which creates the potholes. So the potholes are tough on the front end, you know, banging around. And then then during the spring, most of the potholes are filled by the city, the Department of Public Works. So then the roads kind of get better. So that's the time when most people will line their vehicles because of the roughness between the overall winter and the melting of the snow or the pothole season. Yeah. And you know, depending on how you drive and, and how fast it is, uh, what kind of vehicle it is, is how quick it gets knocked out. Uh, most of the time, uh, once a year in this, this climate is, is recommended. Now, if you're out in Florida or Arizona or out west where the roads are flat, you don't have that interference with the, the uh, pothole season or the snows and that, you can get away with it until you actually have something. You get involved mm-hmm. in a car accident or something like that, that knocks it out. Basically, what you're doing with the wheels here on alignment, there's three angles. If my, my hands are the tires, when they go like this, face each other away, they call that toe. Toe in, toe out. Okay. Now, if you're looking at this tire from the side, there's a ball joint up here and a ball joint here that, let, that attaches the tire to the, the frame. When the ball joint 
is positioned so it's a little bit ahead of the bottom one. They call that positive cast. And when it goes the other way, it's called negative caster. My, my equipment will tell me whether it's positive or negative. And then camber is the three ingredients, uh, toe, caster, and camber. Camber is the tilting of the tire either toward the engine at the very top or the tilting of the tire going to the outside. It's, if you're looking at the tire from the front, it'd be like this or like this. Toe, camber, caster. Caster, that's right. Okay. So those are the three measurements or the angles that I'm looking at to uh, align a vehicle. But before you can align it, you got to make sure everything's tight and, and uh, not loose. Because if there's any looseness involved, then the accuracy of the angle will not be steady. One minute it could lean out, the next minute it could lean in, or the tires face in or face out. You know? So what did they specify when they came in? They, they said that the, t the vehicle was drifting to the right. And they, they also had new tires on it, and they want to make sure the tires are going to work properly. Okay. And that's, that's another reason to get the uh, lime. Either, either after pothole season, when you put new tires on it, or if you have repair work done in the front end in the suspension oh, or steering. Okay. Those are you, or if they're involved in an accident. But mm -hmm. those are the, the reasons why you, you have them done. So why make this your specialization? Well, it all started when I was working for my father. That's where my brother is now. That was used to, used to be my father's business, and and he was in the tire business. Mm -hmm. And like I said, one of the reasons is when you put new tires on there, you always want to have it lined yeah. up to make sure that you can get maximum wear out of the tires. And we never had that capability. And plus, I was always drawn into mechanics myself. So uh, having that, we always used to have to farm out or recommend someone to do the alignments. And you know. Dealing with big big companies and that, sometimes you don't get the, the personalization the way it should be done. It's just a big rush, rush. Yeah. So now you hit two birds with one stone. Yeah. Well, we work together. If he, <laughs> if he puts tires on and people want lime it, if they leave it, we work between us. Same thing here. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing some work or they drop it off for a service and that and it needs tires or something, we contact them and tell them we can get it done between us. So you work together, but separately? Separately, yeah. Two different businesses, but we work together, yeah. yeah. Does so he ever come by? Oh, yeah. He's, <laughs> you know, depending on how busy he is and what his, what's going on with him, is sometimes I'll do a couple, three, four alignments a, a day, you know. Sometimes none. This, this time right now, it's kind of heads into our slower season. Because people are on vacations, right. they're traveling. So the busiest time for you is the spring. Spring and the fall, yeah. Mm. And, and the fall is people are putting on newer tires for, for people going back to school, mm. uh, getting ready for uh, the best traction for the winter time and stuff like that. Would you say that Northampton is a welcoming place for small business owners? That's a tough one. Because of the rules and regulations, you know, they're, they're, trying, to, they're trying to keep it open and friendly for pedestrians and customers, 
but they they make it so stringent on on trying to operate a business here mm. and they've done a, a respectable job but I think in the last inside the last decade it's, it's gotten tougher and tougher in what in what sense like and, and, and trying to be more flexible and and expanding your businesses and, mm. and, and and stuff like that I see I see so how is that how has that affected you your business personally well not being right in the center of town and mm. and I'm in a property location in the building where I I, I have limitations yeah, and I, yeah. I'm, I maximize my limitations yeah. and basically it's a, a hiring a man or two more you know that's all I could do yeah would you call this building historic well other than it's had a business in here since 1920 uh it's not historically built because it was replaced in 1963. The original building that was here actually was moved out of here over to Hadley. Really? Over by the dike. Are you familiar where yeah. West Street is in the dike? Yeah. It's down across the street from the dike on the... Whoa, yeah, I yeah. should go there. I think there. they call that North Street, yeah. Okay. And that building was, was old. Wow. Uh, and and uh, but other than that, uh, you know, it's it's been a garage. I mean, there's not mm. a real like uh, significant architecture to it, and you know, the Rockefellers didn't live here or anything like that. <laughs> you know, it's all been nuts and bolts, blue collar mm-hmm. workers. I guess I'm curious, like your business, your father's legacy, legacy of this this parcel of land, and even the building. I mean, the '60s is still relatively old do you feel like there's like significance in like landmarking this area this building no no but where my father is or where the tire shop is used to be what they used to call the old rose Strand. okay it was a significant place between 1900 and 1925 wow yeah it was uh, it was actually an end and it was called the old rose tree and it was run by a a uh, woman, Madame de Nazi. It's it's a French name, and she was a uh, a uh, actor, and she used to travel the world in her acting. Oh my and Later gosh. in 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 years, when her talents were waning a little bit in her popularity, she came to Northampton, and she started that up there. Uh, yeah. And then then after she got out in around nineteen twenty five. Then it started turning over to be a gas station combination restaurant. And then it went gas station and car repair facility. Mm-hmm. So that, that has a lot of history behind it. In That's incredible. I recently learned from a relative that the Sanskrit word for a guest, atithi, means without a specific time. In India, this was traditionally the culture. People would visit one another whenever they wanted, and when you arrived at somebody's home, you were never asked to leave at any particular time. There were no fixed times or dates about arrival or departure, and you didn't have to call ahead or schedule when you'd be coming in. And such is the culture there at Duffy's. Friends, family, neighbors come in unannounced at any time of day. Sometimes they come bearing coffee or food, other times with a smile and just to check in on how Harry is doing. 
Each time I've been over, I've met somebody new who wasn't in the program to be there while I was going to be there. And to my surprise, none of them minded that I was around interviewing Harry. They would just join right in with the conversation. It was very informal, and there were absolutely no expectations. It's such a beautiful idea, and each time I could feel the love and community in the room. There was something just so special about not knowing who would be popping in next and having that wonderful surprise mixed into each day. It definitely works against my idea, and I think a lot of our ideas, of time in our very fast-paced world of today, where we say we're too busy and schedule every interaction down to the second. Nowadays, we shiver at the thought of having a guest and pray for when they leave so we can get back to the rest of our lives. Spending time with Harry these few months, it was definitely challenging for me to get comfortable with just showing up unannounced. In fact, I never really did. I'd always call a day before. I feared that he wouldn't be there and that I'd have to bike 20 minutes each way and just to not see him. But I wonder if this is what's so special about showing up unannounced. There are no expectations, no anticipation or rules of how to act. If they're there, they're there. If they're not, they're not. It makes the interaction interesting because you just don't know what you'll get. If we're planning each of the interactions we have with people we care about, we're giving ourselves room to contrive an appearance or a greeting. And if that's the case, then are we even having genuine interactions anymore? I've been questioning this lately, and I've been marveling at how wonderful Harry's group is. I refer to them as the Breakfast Club. And I wonder if there's a way that I could integrate something like that into my own life. Tell me about, like, your breakfast club. You mean the people that come in here? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's an assortment of individuals my age or maybe a little bit older. They've been doing business with, the, with myself and my family. And as they've gotten up around their age uh, and they've been retiring or, or cutting back, they're looking for somewhere to hang out, people that are friendly, where they can meet other people and friends. So uh, it's, it's become a melting pot of that sort here. That's, how do you feel about that? Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. It's probably one of the main reasons why I'm still in business at 69 and not retired, because where else can I go to find that, that kind of uh, activity, mm -hmm. you know? Right, my own garage. I mean, I still like doing the work. I've cut cut way back on it just because I want to be here to meet the other people, you know, mm -hmm. friends and family and yeah. colleagues and all. On this season of 413 Ethnography, we will be doing a local business spotlight series highlighting the voices of some of the longest running shops and restaurants in Northampton. We will also be welcoming two new members to our production team. Nicole Perry, Class of 23J, as Audio Director, and Hannah Rappaport, Class of 22, as Art Director. We hope you can join us.